Welcome to the Muckle Teal Football Show. My name is Miles. It is Boxing Day, December 26th. Let me open a Boxing Day beer. A BDB. We are smooshing two shows together um, today. So we're going to do both uh, the winners. It's top three winners, top three losers, and then three quote-unquote Sunday best awards. I guess Saturday best awards. Christmas weekend awards how about that we did do a show friday christmas eve eve my brother my dad we did the 1972 pittsburgh steelers oakland raiders divisional round game otherwise known as the immaculate reception every once in a while do a barn series game where we look back at an old classic uh and uh, and just talk about it uh we did that it was fun kirk's takes on the the cameraman being too zoomed in (laughs) during the immaculate reception uh and we did we got a comment thanks for listening uh agreeing with dad that um back then in 1972 they used to let players play football (laughs) oh so there's so much to talk about uh for week 16 so i'm just kind of combining it all i mean we have set up two playoff games basically for tampa bay and carolina uh next week basically a playoff game and then no matter what happens week 17 Tennessee Titans versus Jacksonville Jaguars week 18 is set up as a playoff game. Um, so that's exciting. Kind of cool the way that the chips fell. Uh, it was a it was a good weekend of football. There's a lot of fun games that spread out uh, quite a bit. Saturday red zone was weird. You know, there was a cold Arctic blast, you know, over the Christmas weekend here. Even the Miami game was, was 45 degrees. Um eight games at temperatures below freezing uh, and just watching red zone and squim, you know, we're watching like seven games of frozen players and limited fans, you know, presumably opting for cozy fireplace in the holiday instead of the freezing, you know, saints Browns game. (laughs) And then one game uh, in that, uh, that morning slate, Minnesota versus the giants was, was in a dome. (laughs) It looked so comfy, so cozy. Uh, All right, let's get, let's get to the show. Welcome to your football show. The show's football everything. NFL history, legacy, ups and downs of a season. Follow us at MUK underscore football on Twitter or YouTube. Uh, subscribe, share, review on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, wherever you get podcasts. We have shows Sunday after Sunday Night Football, Monday after Monday Night Football, Thursday after Thursday Night Football. But today, we're combining it all. Three winners, three losers, three awards for a wild week 16. Let's uh, let's start it off with the first winner. The Green Bay Packers. <laughs> Obviously, they were, uh, you know, a sub 5% playoff odds uh, before week 14. Now, two weeks later, they're currently at 27% uh, playoff odds per uh, 538.com. So on Christmas Eve, the Detroit Lions, the Seattle Seahawks, the Washington Commanders, and the New York Giants, the other four teams in the NFC wildcard race ahead of the Packers, all lost. And everyone but the Giants were blown out. (laughs) Meanwhile, Christmas Day, Packers come in, defeat the Miami Dolphins, a game they were not expected to to win. The offense, Aaron Rodgers, they moved the ball, you know, pretty well. But as I said in the preview, 
this would be a great time for that Packers defense on paper to show up. And they did. You know, we'll talk uh, Tua in the awards, but the Green Bay defense, they were there. You know, the the Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, those big plays, you know, you can't bottle them up forever. But on the whole, Devondre Campbell, Rasul Douglas, you know, they played better than they have all year. And they have a shot. They were, man, the Packers were happy. <laughs> they were happy. Oh, man, the post-game interviews with Pam Oliver were awesome. You know, the uh, Aaron Rodgers wishing everybody a Merry Christmas out there. You know, talking for, like, way longer than he has to. And Pam Oliver said, that, look at you in a good mood. <laughs> Love that classic, classic uh, Pam Oliver moment. And then she did a interview with Jair Alexander, who was also so like open and casual and warm. He's talking through the thought process of of uh, his uh, one of the big plays. Oh, he really throw over throwing this. You know, he's he's like telling the story as if to his friends. You know, and he's he's on national TV, and then he's telling, looking right at the camera. Spend time with your family. The pack is back. Um, it was cool, and I mean, Packers are back. They're right back in this. They they play the Vikings next week. They play the Lions the week after that. And, you know, Commanders and Giants are standing in their way. There is, oh, I hate to say it, but there is a realistic opportunity that the Packers slip into this playoffs, into the NFC playoffs, where anything can happen. All right, next winner. The Carolina Panthers. So they kept their hopes alive for the NFC South crown, setting up a nice week 17 battle versus Tampa Bay. Um, this game was a cold tub of water on all of us, everyone except for Panthers fans, because everyone in the NFL was working ourselves into a heated frenzy about the Detroit Lions. Winning six out of seven, sprinting to the playoffs. How fun is this? Dan Campbell, Jared Goff, redemption. And the Panthers just dump that cold water, the slow pummel, the slow pound, as they say. This felt like 2008 Jonathan Stewart, D'Angelo Williams, Panthers. They had 320 rushing yards. That's the second most amount of team rushing yards this season, only because the Eagles had an historic Top five all-time rushing days against the Packers in Week 12. Teams do not rush 300 yards. <laughs> it's, it's happened. It's been done nine times in the last 10 years. And the thing about it is, what's different about this Panthers performance is it wasn't, you know, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens doing it or Jalen Hurts and the Eagles doing it where you've got a quarterback rushing and then two running backs doing well. You know, Colin Kaepernick did this uh, once with the 49ers. This was just pure elite Sam Darnold handoffs to Deontay Foreman, 21 carries for 165 yards. Chuba Hubbard, 12 carries for 125 yards. They just gashed the Lions. Oh, I mean, it wasn't even fun to watch on red zone. Uh, yeah, and of course, the Panthers, you know, I hate to even put this out into the ether, but last week they had like 16 rushing yards against Pittsburgh. So you know that they're going to they're gonna do this. To the Seahawks game, they ran the ball up and down the field. Then they could do nothing against Pittsburgh in Week 15. Now they come with this, you know, 300-yard rushing day against the Lions, you know, just shouting down our everything we ever wanted in the NFC playoffs. And next week, you know they're dropping a dud, a rushing dud against the Buccaneers because the Panthers are just 
come on, dumping a cold water on this NFC playoff field. You just know they're dropping a dud. Oh, well, we'll talk more about that when we do the the Week 17 preview um, uh, on Thursday. All right, let's get to the third and final winner. The Cowboys-Eagles game. <laughs> you know, I called it a loser last week. After Week 15, I was like, man, it sucks the Cowboys lost the Jaguars because now that game that was going to be a literal playoff game with the one with number one seed implications isn't as isn't as meaningful. Jalen Hurts goes out as Gardner Minshew in for the Eagles. Didn't matter. It was still a 40 to 34 classic. My brother, my wife, and I were watching at the Kingston Ferry just on YouTube TV on our phone. That was so fun. Second half of that game was great. Deep bombs to T.Y. Hilton, of all people. Gardner Minshew balling out after, after uh, you know, doing the Mike Leach eulogy. You know, that was meaningful. There were big defensive plays. The Joss Sweat interception of... Uh, of Dak as he was trying to float it over him. That was just made for good TV. You know, and, and there's a lot of fumbles and stuff. It was just, there's a lot of excitement. And it was a good uh, offensive shootout. That's what it was. This was an offensive shootout in Texas on Christmas Eve in contrast to the cold, you know, literal tundra of the Brown Saints games or just the, the below sub-zero temperature not sub-zero, sub-freezing temperatures and, you know, the Kansas City, Seattle game, Buffalo, Chicago, uh, Texans, Titans, just playing in that cold. It's slow. It's hard to catch the ball. It's not as fun to watch. This game was. I mean, Devonta Smith, A.J. Brown for the Eagles, C.D. Lamb for the Cowboys, all had 100 yards receiving, making plays all over the place, ended with excitement, Miles Sanders fumble, the Eagles defense made a stop, uh, barely, you know, Gardner Minshew almost did this. He had 141 to to get a touchdown, down six, and he did drive 56 yards, but ultimately a, a fourth and 10 heave. So it was a good game. A lot of fun. I love the hypocrisy of both fan bases. You know, and fans get to be hip, hypocrites, right? Their fan is short for fanatic. That's okay. But the Eagles in week six, we're calling the their victory over the Cooper Rush Cowboys perfectly fine. A truly legitimate win over the Cowboys. We are 6-0 and now, and that was the full Cowboys fight, and we blew it up. And Cowboys fans are saying, like, man, we, we would have won that game if we had Dak. So you, you lose. We win in the moral victory sense. Just wait. Now it's flipped. Now the Eagles fans are saying... You know, oh, we would have won if we had Jalen Hurts. And Cowboys fans are the ones saying this is a truly legitimate win over the number one seed Eagles. You got to love fans. All right, let's get to the top three losers. Former Broncos coach Nathaniel Hackett fired this morning after the 51 to 14 beat down on Nickelodeon <laughs> to the to the Rams who are plummeting themselves and Baker Mayfield Nickelodeon a baker's going to bake you know <laughs> uh this is about as deserved as any any firing i mean hackett was unable to hack it as it were uh i mean he was clearly hired to get Aaron Rodgers so he was not hired as part of an interview process as part of pure merit he was hired because Aaron Rodgers praised Hired by a lame duck owner, by the way. He was hired because Aaron Rodgers publicly praised Nathaniel Hackett all the time as his quarterback's coach. And, you know, 
Hackett was bad. He was truly over his head. Every single sign of a football team not trusting their coach was there. Blow-ups on the sidelines, non-answers in the media, uh, penalties, just bad game plans, sudden blowouts. It was all there. And the, and Hackett's press conferences, too. Amateur hour. He is unable to articulate issues. That that can't be good for a coach. He probably could. If he can't articulate to us, who are asking our own questions, how can he articulate to his team what he wants? Does he want anything? It's, I mean, it's now a picture is forming where it's not hard to see why Aaron Rodgers loved Nathaniel Hackett. Because Rodgers clearly knew more than Hackett. Hackett's got no spine, nothing to offer. Rodgers was in charge of the offense and praising Hackett as a, as a you know, a front. <laughs> and lastly, Hackett's biggest flaw was believing in Russell Wilson or believing that Russell Wilson even knew what he wanted. Because although I was not on this camp, I thought Russell Wilson should be throwing more. There are a lot of smart people out there saying the let Russ cook PR campaign, you know, that uh, when asked to elaborate, Russell Wilson was unable to elaborate on what exactly he wanted. He would say basically the pillars of every single offense. You know, he wants to be like a Bill Walsh with a Bill Belichick, with a Andy Reid, with a Kyle Shanahan, you know, with, with some elements of the 70s Steelers and some elements of the greatest show on turf. You know, like in the end, Russell Wilson just threw everything at the board. He doesn't really know what he's talking about. Nathaniel Hackett bought into that. And, um, yeah, deserved fire. This was a really, really bad head coach. Uh, Broncos fans should be happy that he is gone. All right, next loser. I know the Buccaneers won the game Christmas night, but Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles, it's just looking so, it's so painful to watch. Christmas night, the family is there. We've got the game on this brand new giant TV and this empty space and a new addition to our, you know, my cousin's house. It's looking great. Nobody's watching. That's how boring the game was. Buccaneers Cardinals. And the, like Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich, they just, they can't see the dichotomy of their decisions to run it on second and one and then third and one and then fourth and one. And it's a turnover on downs versus when they have to throw and go up-tempo to Brady, the offense suddenly works. They can't see that. What they see is, we got to run the ball more. Never better. They never. It's not about running it better. It's about running it more. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's driving people insane. It's, it's like, it's seriously, it must be a social experiment. It's easier to throw on first and 10 than it is on third and eight, but the Buccaneers don't admit that. They're going to run the ball to try to get the rushing attempts up, and then they're going to have to throw when the run game isn't working. And then when they are asked to evaluate the problem, they don't say the run game doesn't work. They say we should have ran it more. It's insanity. Brady pulls these things out of a hat. And it's complicated because Brady's not even playing that well. If this was elite Brady, I'd be even more frothing at the mouth than I am. So it is complicated. Um, but the fact you can just see the shape of the game. This has happened with the Saints game, with the Rams game, now the Cardinals. It's it's Buccaneer Brady. When he gets to call the plays, when he gets to run up tempo, they look good for the first time in the game. They beat a team that, you know, had shot itself in the foot multiple times, as the Trace McSorley Cardinals did, in overtime. 
when they shouldn't have. All right, next loser. Uh, major contender offensive line injuries. One of the reasons that I do not want more football games in the regular season is the inevitability of major injury to some of the best players in the world. The Bengals lost right tackle Lyle Collins to a torn ACL. He is done for the year. You know, he's a third of that free agent group that came in that was gelling, making the Bengals like whispers of juggernaut. You know, now it's a little bit more like last year, which is, hey, they did go to the Super Bowl, but there was talk of the Bengals, you know, as the secret juggernaut. I don't know now. I don't know. Um, and the Eagles lost right tackle Lane Johnson, abdominal tear. They say he might be back for the playoffs, but they're non-committal. You know, it's just the Bengals and Eagles are now both on upset alert because when a team just isn't for some reason as good as they used to be, look to the offensive line. There's always something going on there. But look at Tampa Bay. Look at an, ex an example of why isn't Tom Brady playing good? Why don't the Bucks look right? It's offensive line injuries up there. So not fun. Not fun. I. It's the worst part of football, all the injuries. Um, wishing uh, both Lane Johnson and Lyle Collins health going forward. All right. Three awards for the Christmas weekend. Let's do this. The Immaculate Reception Replica Opportunity Award goes to the Oakland Raiders. So, Dad Kirk and I, of course, did the 72 Barnes series between the Raiders and Steelers. We talked about it all the time. The Saturday night football game on Christmas Eve was the 50th anniversary between the Raiders and the Steelers. They honored Franco Harris at halftime, uh, who passed this week, sadly. Um, and the game, you know, it was a boring game. Not unlike the Immaculate Reception game, actually. And Derek Carr, or I'm oh, sorry, uh, Kenny Pickett drove the Steelers down the field to score a touchdown, a slant route to George Pickens in the end zone. And ours, all these posts, 50 years later, the Steelers, another last second win over the Raiders. Wow, look at that. Like, hold up, hold, hold, hold up, everybody. A, the Immaculate Reception is not uh replicated by a game-winning drive with a great throw in the red zone the pickens touchdown if you're purely talking the pickens touchdown is more like the kenny stabler touchdown in 1972 that preceded the immaculate reception the real immaculate reception replica opportunity was when the raiders got the ball back with 40 seconds left to go on sunday night football and i'm thinking to myself the Raiders with a chance for some payback. And Derek Carr had Hunter Renfro. He had him. And he just did what Derek Carr always, always does, which is, especially on deep routes, predetermine where the ball is going to go and, and not really see the shape of the game. Renfro had the right idea of bending across. The Raiders could have had a, a, a true, it wouldn't have been immaculate reception or anything, but it would have been wild. Renfro, I think, scores that touchdown, to be honest. I know there's a safety there who could have made the tackle, but Derek Carr missed that opportunity for some real revenge. Oh, gosh, it was so close. Uh, and now it's uh, lost to history because it's an interception that he threw, you know, three miles behind Hunter Renfro. That, so that's too bad. All right, next award. Are you down, tired, 
feelings of severe despondency or dejection, consult your doctor about Zilstra. (laughs) Shane Zilstra, Detroit Lions tight end. I just found this funny because the fantasy world, fantasy football, you know, fantasy managers with Amon Ross St. Brown, DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, just tearing out their hair in garbage time as the Lions against the Panthers driving into the red zone and three times. The touchdown goes to a truly anonymous eight career catches before this game. Shane Zilstra with three touchdowns. It's incredible. It's one of those classic, you know, December NFL stories that fantasy makes fantasy football so frustrating. Um, (laughs) Just wanted to to bring that up. All right. Last award. And appropriate sound effect because the last award is is the 2009 Matt Schaub, Texans quarterback, award. Goes to Tua Tungavailoa. It is hard to watch Tua. You know, Christmas morning, Tua versus Rodgers. You're expecting Tua to be the good quarterback. This elite offense with all these stats. But what you get, and this is multiple primetime big games in a row, what you get is hard to watch. It's hard to watch Tua. Shaky, it's lucky, it's it's poor decisions. He threw three interceptions to end that game in Green Bay. Got the ball three times in the fourth quarter, threw three interceptions. They are pure. Uh, well, I don't know if they're on Tua, but they are miscommunications, with which you could probably blame the quarterback in some fashion. And I just, the reason I call it the Matt Schaub Award is because that's how I felt about the 2009 Houston Texans. Because, you know, you're playing fantasy, you're looking at all these historic stats, you know, and so you get to watch a game. You're like, wow, the Matt Schaub Texans are playing the, the Drew Brees Saints. It's going to be a shootout. But you're left profoundly disappointed with your Matt Schaub experience. That's how I feel about Tua Tungavailoa. It's, it's stats that are coming from the stars. You know, Jalen Waddell is playing the, you know, the Arian Foster breakout role. Tyreek Hill, the established superstar playing that in this prime, playing that Andre Johnson role. And then 2009 Texans were, were Kyle Shanahan, a very young Kyle Shanahan. And the 2022 Dolphins are Mike McDaniel. But the point is, it's not the quarterback. You know, he's okay. Sometimes even exponential, you know, in the getting the right scheme, getting the ball to these players. But he is not with Tua. Or I'm sorry, he's not with Mahomes. Not with Allen. Not with Burrow. RG3 posted on the internet. He said, this is a bad game for Tua. Always brings out the haters. Well, maybe RG3, maybe this creates some haters. Some of us have sat down for like 12 hours of Tua Dolphins football in hyped primetime games, Pittsburgh, Chargers, 49ers, now Green Bay Christmas morning, and we see nothing but two elite receivers getting what they can and Tua just banking around. And I was a Tua defender in the offseason. Then the Baltimore comeback happened in week two, and I somehow turned into a hater. Not to, you know, go full principal Skinner here, but I didn't move my position at all. You know, <laughs> like, am I so out of touch? No, it is the others who are wrong. <laughs> Going too high, too low. Like I said, nature of being a fan, short for fanatic, this is okay. But I'm done on Tua. This is just, even the Dolphins clearly behind the scenes don't believe in this guy. They've been desperately trying for Deshaun Watson and Tom Brady over the last few years. I don't know. It's a bummer. That was a bummer to see. 
uh, especially since I was rooting for the Dolphins. Uh, maybe that's coloring some of my uh, my analysis here. But okay, that's it. That's it for today. Hope everyone had a Merry Christmas and a wonderful holiday weekend. Hoping good for the new year. We'll be back Thursday to preview Week 17. We got some good games. Miami, New England. Carolina, Tampa Bay for the NFC South, basically. Jets, Seahawks, ramifications with both conferences. And Bills, Bengals. Woo-hoo-hoo, that's a good one. Buffalo, Bills, Cincinnati, Bengals. So fabulous games lining up for, for the new year. My name is Miles. We'll see you Thursday. Good night.